Well, God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours in Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know, if I had a dollar for every time I had someone say to me, I hate those Lutheran hymns, there's dirges and mournful, and I go, when I get to sing that song in Lent, I am moved. If you make me sing that on Easter, we're going to have words. But today and in this season, there's just something powerful that brings me to the foot of the cross. And that's really what our purpose of Lent is. And here we are. Here's this one. I didn't know this, would, this um, preparation for this would impact me the way it did this, this week uh, when I scheduled it six months ago, you know, that this would be the invitation, take up your cross. I, uh, I brought up, some of you have been in my office. You know how many crosses I got in my office? I counted them today. 69. I have 69 crosses in my office. I have, but I only have five that are these, a crucifix. So I have five of them. This one actually is in amber. It's hard to show. I wish I should, I should video it or whatever, but show it on the screen. But a crucifix, of course, is the cross with the corpse of Christ, the corpus, a corpus, we say, is on the cross. And they vary. And often crucifixes are very ornate, uh, they have lots of intricate stuff on them. Some have some history with them. I have one here that was given to me by my mentor, pastor, when I was an intern. And it has, of course, Christ on the cross. And then it has the Titleus on the top. I-N-R-I, right? Jesus Nazareth, Rex Udem. So, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews. And then on the bottom, you may see this sometime, look for this, is a skull and crossbones. So Jesus' feet is on the right top of death, right? Until, he's, until he has everything under his feet, says Paul. And then this one was given to me the very first baptism I ever performed, I ever had the privilege of doing, and uh, was given to me by the family, and it was a crucifix. And it was fun because it was, they, had, they had grown up Catholic, so I got a crucifix. Because as I say, I have 69 crosses in there and only five that are this. I got two more. This one is just a real little one that I picked up somewhere. But then this one came from Oberammergau. And southern Germany is very Catholic, and so lots of crucifixes. Right? Lots of, and that's where you see them dominantly, right? You go to a, a Roman Catholic church, and you'll have the body on the cross. And Protestant churches, for the most part, don't. Right? The emphasis is on the resurrection. An empty cross. The cross is empty, right? <clears throat> now, if you grew up in a traditional Lutheran church like in the Midwest, you're very familiar with these. It's a, and I forget there's a formal name for the kind of altar thing you had. Like in, in the church, like if you grew up in a real traditional church, the altar was up against the wall. The pastor was never behind it. Like we have the privilege of doing that, going from behind and celebrating the Lord's Supper in front of you, with you. Um, but there was also often very ornate pillars and triptychs and images and then a, a, cor a corpus, a body of Christ on the cross. And that's not a bad thing to have an empty cross to celebrate the resurrection. Um, but when I read these verses here today, and it's interesting, <clears throat> I bring it up. I'll bet I bring it up when I'm in staff meetings because we do Bible study and prayer and we just talk about ministry. How are we doing? Do we think that what we're doing, do we think we're doing what God is wanting us to do? How's, how do we think it's going with the people we're serving? How's it going with you? 
you know, we meet every week. And about once a month, every five or six weeks, it can get, it can, we can dive pretty deep. And when I say to people, sometimes I'll say, I don't know, you know, we, have, we want to lower the barrier so much to Jesus that sometimes I wonder if we forget to tell people that sometimes you got to obey him too. You know, live a life that reflects. And we're Lutheran, so we don't like that. Like, we don't like to give you what we call a law sandwich. Like, you know, you come to church, we tell you, and, and we're honest, right? We're broken. We're honest. We start every service. We do a confession of sins. We acknowledge our brokenness before God. And we're honest about that. And then we say, and what a great Jesus we have, don't we? What a wonderful Savior who loves us without condition. And, and then I, I often kind of stop. Because what I don't want to do is then say, and here's the five things you better get busy at, and if you don't do them, you're not a good Christian. Right? We call it a law sandwich. Right? You got a law in the beginning, you got a little gospel in the middle, then you get a little law again. Whack. How's that taste? And, and Paul is really adamant about that. He says, don't throw people back under the law. And then Jesus says this. If anyone would follow me, Deny himself. He must. He says, must. It's not like, well, if you feel like it. If it's not inconvenient, as long as it doesn't embarrass you, I mean, as long as you don't have to sacrifice anything, then go ahead and follow me. I'm off, way off my notes now. This could take a while. Oh. Check out this story. This is, this is a great topic for me. I've covered your prayers, honestly. We wrestle, I wrestle with this all the time. Should I speak harder to people? Should I say, haven't seen you in church for three months. You okay? Are you still a Christian? You know, I mean, I don't know. What's the sign? What's the marker? What's the, haven't heard from you. Don't know what's going on. Where's the line? And Lutherans are really nervous about this because it's all grace, all Jesus, all the time for our salvation. How then shall we live? So there was a cathedral in New York City. This is about 10 years ago. And the cathedral was vandalized pretty badly. And, uh, but twice, and they did it twice. So they took like the money box and they took, you know, smashed candles and did stuff like that. And then they did it again, just like two weeks later. And this time, they actually, they went up to the front of the altar, and there's a four and a half foot high Jesus, 200 pound plaster, and they unbolted it from the cross and took it out, left the cross, took the Jesus. So they interview the guy, and he goes, man, it's just, it's so puzzling to me. He says, why would they do that? Jesus comes with the cross. That's just how it is. And so I found that a fascinating statement. You can't separate Jesus from the cross. Jesus and the cross go together. It's sometimes, and I'm, I, this is something I almost need to repent of or adjust. I often say, man, I love my neighbors, my LDS neighbors. What, they're great neighbors. Good people, love them. And I often say they're, they're operating without the whole Jesus, right? 
I, I don't ever want to be mean-spirited or snarky. I don't care how any, how any of us have ever been treated. It doesn't matter. Because you know why when, the, when, when LDS people leave the, church, leave the LDS church, they don't come to Christian church? Because we've treated them so poorly. That's the why. And so we need to be kind and gentle. And I grieve, I grieve that because I want them to have the whole Jesus. But I think I might need to repent a little bit. I, I think I, stand, I sound a little condescending. I'm afraid I don't take the whole Jesus sometimes either. I like the Jesus who forgives my sins. I was going to have Christina show me, have one. Now I think I could use it. You have it? Check it out. See if she's got it. You're good. If you go to a Chinese restaurant. Do, 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 do. There you go. Check it out, right? Aren't these awesome? This is what I grew up with. I grew up with this. Look, for two, choice of one from column A and one from column B. For three, choice of one from column A and two from column B. Right? If there's four of you, you get two from each. If there's five, you get what I'm saying? I'm afraid I do that with Jesus sometimes. You have all the attributes of Jesus, all the things he says, and I, I pick two from column A and three from column B. And I'm good with that. We're in good company here when we sometimes want to pick and choose with Jesus. I want the Jesus that is welcoming and kind. The Jesus who, when I'm the prodigal and I come home, he says, welcome home. The one who touches me in my uncleanness and makes me clean. I love the Jesus who welcomes me when I'm lost, searches for me, dies for me. But I sometimes struggle with the Jesus who says, if you really want to follow me, here's what it is. And I was struggling all week, all this whole week. I started on Sunday afternoon working on this. I struggled to find any grace here. And Lutherans can find grace in anything, man. I was just struggling. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. So here's the thing. This is crazy. This is crazy. I read, so I started on Sunday. I wrote it down. I read five sermons, four commentaries, three podcasts I listened to, three articles that I printed out. Not one of those had any grace in it. It was all, if you're a good Christian, do what he says. And I was heavy. I was, I was heavy. And why am I heavy? Because my cry, I say, I can't. Jesus, I can't, I can't do it. I can't carry that cross. And then I found a couple articles that were, that were pretty light on gospel. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, Jesus just did it all anyway. And I go, it doesn't read like that. Yes, he did it. But he's asking for me. And he doesn't just want part of me. And Jesus doesn't want to be the Chinese menu. I'll take this here, and I'll take that there. When, I'll call on you, Jesus, when I need you. Otherwise, don't bother me. You know, there's a reason that Easter has four times as many people at it than Good Friday service. You think, do you think you sing, Go to Dark Gethsemane, as the, as the song before you do the altar call at the youth gathering? Right? Give, take your cross. Teach me how to die. These are critical words, by the way. 
They're critical words. And it's not light sauce. It's not weak sauce. So we ask the question, then, what's your cross? What would it mean? Think about the disciples when they hear this. What do you think they think? We hear this, take up your cross, and we go, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, I got diagnosed with uh, Crohn's disease. There's my cross. Um, I, I lo- I'm, I'm too old to drive a car anymore. I lost my job. My kids are rebellious. I struggle with an addiction. Okay, I'm getting more serious, right? Is that your cross? What would they think? When Jesus says, take up your cross, you know what immediately comes to their mind? Romans, soldiers, executed bodies on the way you walk into town. Bodies that hang there partially decomposed for days. That's what they think. And so what's Jesus addressing? So here's what I think it is. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. I I think what he's addressing, if he's speaking to us today, especially today, the attitude that we now have, which is, after me, God, you come first. Or our, our desire for comfort or convenience. Please, Lord, don't let it be inconvenient. Or how about this one? Our struggle, our unwillingness to sacrifice, and I mean actually sacrifice, go without that something God is calling us to do might occur. Or our desire to fly under the radar, to go unnoticed, to not stick out, to not be because a cross in a cross, you are utterly exposed, lifted high. Or to not be embarrassed, our, our desire to not be embarrassed, or to look stupid, because the cross is called a scandal and foolishness. Or our faulty thinking that we convince ourselves that I can get along fine without it. There is a call in these words to self-sacrifice, to empty ourselves, to be ready to suffer for the sake of Jesus, who has done all those things before us already, correct? All of those in front of us. Our Lutheran tradition is good at this. Luther lived under this burden. Have I made you depressed yet? I'm getting there, trust me. Because it took me three days before, I'm not kidding, I had to find some hope here. Luther lived under that despair. That he could not do it. He could not live up to it. All he saw was a God demanding, pointing his finger. These things. All you want is convenience. All you want is comfort. you, You won't sacrifice. You won't, you know. And Luther was just under this weight. It just destroyed him. It just crushed him. So is there gospel here? Is there grace in these very words? Or do we have to find it somewhere else? Because my level of commitment and my comfort, my pride, my selfishness, they all get in the way as I read this. But here's our hope, our only hope. Our hope is God's great grace in Jesus' invitation to carry up the cross. Why? Here's the word. Remember this. Because when we take up our cross, we take up Jesus. 
Jesus comes with the cross. That same Jesus who in the weight and the insistence of the cross is forming us. In that weight, he's conforming us to himself because his suffering honored us beyond measure. In taking up the cross, we always get that same Jesus who knows that even though God does not wish to hurt us or torment us, the devil does. And that in the cross, even these crosses, we see God's word and promises greater than the devil, greater than our enemy. Luther's quote, even our small, weak word and prayer and suffering is stronger than the devil in the gates of hell. In taking up the cross, we get that same Jesus who knows that in suffering, our faith cannot merely remain, again as Luther says, sleepy and self-secure. C.S. Lewis calls it the weight of glory, as does St. Paul in 2 Corinthians. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And in taking up the cross, we always get that same Jesus who knows that suffering afflicts all humans, but only his children in faith can see what the suffering of our Lord accomplished for those who believe, that we may have him to cling to in our hour of need. The grace and the hope of this, it was hard for me to find. But it's there because that in taking up that cross, we take up Jesus, the whole Jesus, for our sakes. Let's pray. And you guys can go ahead and we'll finish up with prayers. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word and promise. We, like Peter, want that glory part, the Messiah part, the, the miracle worker part. You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we love to hear your words of affirmation. Well done. Blessed are you. But then when you tell us about the cross, Lord, that's hard for us to hear. And that you're calling us to walk where you walk. And that in those trials, you walk with us. For in taking up the cross, we can do nothing else but take up Jesus right along with him. Because you never get the cross without Jesus. And we never get Jesus without the cross. So we thank you, Lord. In this season of repentance and humility, it's right for us to hear this and to also know that certainty that you yourself carried the cross for our sakes. To you be the glory, now and forever. Amen.